Everybody's Talking with T, the talk show designed to engage, educate, empower, and encourage the community is on. Greetings, everyone. You're back where it's at, and I'm spinning the beginning of the winning talk show design with your interest in mind. It's November 28th, and I'm still full and waddling from Thanksgiving with my family. I'm wishing that each of you had an enjoyable Thanksgiving holiday full of food, fun, family, friends, and fellowship. The theme this month is Be Thankful and Be Giving. So, I am also hoping that you all reflected on the many blessings for which we should be thankful. I also hope that you decided to be a blessing to someone else. Think about what you are thankful for and who you are thankful to. The best way to express gratitude is through giving, not just on Thanksgiving Day, but consistently and continually throughout the year. If today is your birthday, you share it with your birthday mates, Rashir Gray, that we know as Akeem off of the hit show Empire, R&B singer Trey Songs, Don Robinson of In Vogue, and legendary music producer Barry Gordy. On this date in history, Ernie Davis becomes the first African-American to win the Heisman Trophy in 1961. Today on the national calendar is recognized as Cyber Monday, the next biggest shopping day to Black Friday. Now, I avoided the craziness of Black Friday and reserved looking for deals from the comfort of my home, and I am thoroughly enjoying the hunt and peck search of Cyber Monday deals today on my computer. Let's now turn our attention to our happy highlights. Last week, we shared a happy highlight about a grandmother thinking she was texting her grandchildren about Thanksgiving dinner. That text ended up being sent to a total stranger. Wanda Drench accidentally invited Jamal Hinton to her Thanksgiving dinner. As a follow-up, the texting mix-up joined two complete strangers who actually had Thanksgiving dinner together. The story went viral, as well as the fact that after the two realized the mix-up, they still met and had dinner together. As guests arrived to Wanda's home for Thanksgiving dinner, she waited with anticipation for Jamal to show up. When he arrived, it is reported that a handshake quickly turned into a hug. Jamal is now considered as Wanda's honorary grandson. My next happy highlight is about Jim Ford. He had the task of repossessing an elderly couple's car. After he repossessed the car, he pulled over and called the bank to see if he could pay the car off for the couple. He then set up a fundraiser and raised most of the cash she needed in the first eight hours. Due to his efforts, the car was paid off and returned to the couple this past Monday. Pat and Stan Kipping said it had been a miracle and getting their car paid off was like hitting the lottery. Miss Kipping said they got behind about three payments on the car. She had called the bank for an extension and was told no. She said she hung up and prayed, and then Jim Ford came to pick up the car. Three days later, Ford brought back the car, and it had been detailed, had an oil change, new light bulbs, and a turkey inside. Ford said the couple reminded him of his late grandparents. He surely embodied the Thanksgiving spirit by his generous and giving heart. Before I continue with today's show, 
I want to discuss the controversy surrounding Standing Rock. Let me bring everyone up to speed as to what's going on here. For about seven months now, members of the Sioux Nation at Standing Rock Indian Reservation in North Dakota have been fighting and protesting against the construction of the Dakota Access Pipeline. The argument is that the pipeline will threaten the reservation's water supply and invade sacred sites. Standing Rock tribal members believe the land is owned by the Sioux based on a treaty with the U.S. government which is over a century old. Tribal members and those that are supporting them through the protest firmly believe that the government has no right to destroy the land. People have pretty much set up camp on the land to prevent the continued construction of the pipeline. Now, to my understanding, the government has ordered people to shut down their camps, which they refuse to do. And now there are growing tensions and reports of violence between the Standing Rock protesters and law enforcement as over a thousand protesters stand their ground. Witnesses have reported that private security workers have unleashed pepper spray and pit bulls on the crowd. Just a little bit of the timeline as to what has occurred is as follows. Now, in January of this year, Dakota Access announced it had received approval by the North Dakota Public Service Commission to bring the four-state crude oil pipeline closer to construction. In July, attorneys for Standing Rock Sioux Tribe took their first legal action in an attempt to block the pipeline. The majority of the protesting really started at this point. By September, things started to really get heated and reports of increased aggression by the protesters and law enforcement brought more attention to the controversy. Also, this past September, President Obama hosted more than 500 Native American leaders for his eighth and final White House Tribal Nations Conference, which allowed the voices to be heard of those in support of Standing Rock. Then, on October 9th, the day before Columbus Day, and which many indigenous people find offensive, a federal appeals court denied the tribe's appeal of the September ruling, which denied the request by the tribe for a temporary injunction. This kicked everything up another notch with more and more people joining the protests and showing support for the tribe at Standing Rock. Authorities have attempted to clear protesters, making more than 400 arrests. It is also reported that authorities have used tear gas, water cannons, rubber bullets, and more to dismantle the protest. Many people have become angry as they have fired these water cannons at night while temperatures were in the low 20s. Medical professionals were concerned about the potential loss of life due to severe hypothermia. The Morton County Sheriff's Department said they were responding to a, quote, ongoing riot and fires that had been started. On November 7th, Morton County Sheriff's Department tweeted that it had received assistance from 24 counties, 16 cities, and nine states, totaling 1,300 people responding to the protest. Just recently, increased donations, volunteers, and activists have poured in to include a group titled Veterans Stand for Standing Rock. The group says it is preparing for sizable deployment to halt progress on the Dakota Access Pipeline. 
You can read more about the protest at Standing Rock through the links I have placed on my website, www.talkingwitht.com. Along with a photo gallery of images I collected depicting what's going on there. You can find a video showing the timeline of events as well as a video from a woman describing what is taking place there. Let's listen to her now. In Bushu. Uh, my name is Candida Rodriguez Kingbird. I am Red Lake Anishinaabe, Ojibwe. Um, I'm here today is a recording from Standing Rock, North Dakota. Today is November 14, 2016. Uh, new developments. We have had aircraft flying over our camp for several days, uh, different kinds of small charter planes and what looks, uh, appears to be helicopters, I mean, coming through at night. Um, they mostly come at night and they have their lights off, which is dangerous to other aircraft. They're using the space illegally. They don't have any permits or permission to be using the airspace above federal tribal land, so they're breaking the law to begin with. Last night, the new development was that there was an aircraft flying over camp, our encampment, from approximately 1.40 a.m. till about 2.20 a.m. this morning. Every uh, two minutes on the dot, they were uh, encircling the circumference of our camp and doing uh, what we believe to be spraying chemical agents down on top of us. This is an act of um, chemical warfare. This is an act of terrorism in the United States by the United States government against the indigenous peoples of Standing Rock and of this encampment. They are not reaching out to the sides where the police department has set up their uh, barriers and their blockades. So we know that they are um, strategically placing these chemicals on top of us. Um, this morning at 5.30 we came out because we heard the same aircraft passing overhead. It was actually, it was uh, verified to be a, a crop duster and on the underbelly side of it, under each wing there were two hoses which they use to spray down agriculture and um, poisons on top of um, different harvests that they're growing and stuff like that so um, this is an act of terrorism we're not going to stop we're not going to stop we're not going to stop we're going to keep fighting for the people we're going to keep fighting for the rights this this these resources belong to our children this water belongs to our children this is our future these kids need this land they need this water they need this this, these resources and they need us to stand and fight and protect them. Don't put this on Facebook. Uh, they'll take it back off again. And um, But uh, do share this with family. Talk to your family about this. Talk to your friends about this. Spread the news out there. Let them know this is an act of genocide from the U.S. government. This is a, this is a terroristic attack. Um, power to the people, man. We're not going to stop. Stay up. Let's now turn our attention to our Monday Mini Quick Bits and our trending news with the know-it-all Professor Jay and our lead investigator, most often instigator, P.I. Pam. How are the two of you? Wonderfully well, as always. Yes, and I'm fabulous. All right. Well, we'll start with the very pregnant Janet Jackson recently revealed that she is naming her son, Michael Brandon, in honor of her deceased brother, the King of Pop, Michael Jackson, and her brother Marlon's twin brother, Brandon, who died at birth. I uh, got nosy and started kind of scanning the Internet for pictures of Janet, and she is pretty big. Yes, she's very pregnant, and, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued because she's well over 50, but, you know, things happen. So yeah, they I'm, say she's I'm, doing well. Yeah, so okay. we shall see how she manages to balance the role of being new mommy and pop superstar of, the Jackson legacy, so. Hmm, well, and also a new wife. You know, she's married to that billionaire. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that makes all the difference, I think. Uh, probably so. Let's see. Next, a judge orders Nick Gordon to pay $36 million for Bobby Christina Brown's death. And I was just wondering, where did he get that kind of money? 
that's my question because from what I understand, he has neither pot nor window. Mm. Well, we'll see what happens, but that was just a recent story. He is ordered to pay a whopping $36 million. And then also in the news, we learned that Fidel Castro died at the age of 90 this past Friday. Now, this next story almost makes me too angry to discuss it. But an eight-year-old boy, Jordan Jackson, and his four-year-old sister, Janiah, were waiting on their parents to pick them up from school when three white children started throwing mulch at them. Jordan, bless his heart, he tried to defend himself and his sister from the bullies and was told to go back to the cotton farm. And to my understanding, what happened during this altercation landed Jordan in the hospital. And I thought it was sad and it's ridiculous that our babies have to kind of go through this and to a point where the bullying turns physical and causes harm to them. Right. And it's sad that, you know, our children have to be victims of ignorance. And, you know, when you said that the perpetrators told the kids that they need to go back to the cotton farm, I'm over here giving a major side eye because, you know, you've got children who are young enough to not even know anything about a cotton farm. And so they were needlessly attacked because they were just minding their business, being children as we know them to be. and Again, they were victims of very blatant and obvious racism, and they don't deserve that to happen to them. So, you know, my heart goes out to them and to their parents, and, you know, I pray for uh, them as well as for even the perpetrators that they, as I like to say, get some act right, because that makes absolutely zero sense. And I know that the grandparents and parents, of these children probably thought, you know, as they were growing up, having to deal with it on a regular basis, that by 2016, this wouldn't still be relevant. But it seems like it's getting worse and worse. Every week we're, you know, telling a story about some form of racism that's happened to someone. So it seems like it's like a never-ending cycle. People have been have, have found themselves taking a license because no one has really given it to them. Taking a license to say and do whatever they want and it's really getting out of hand. So, you know, we can only hope that these four years will go by very quickly if we get four years at all. Uh, you know, some people are cautiously optimistic that it won't be four years, that, you know, this Trump presidency, the Cheeto presidency will go by very quickly. And again, as I said last week, I'm pretty sure the great orange ones, people are probably going to look for me after a while, so let me shut my mouth and let's move on <laughs> to the next story. Well, before we move on, I want to just mention, you you shared that the kids were so young that they probably really didn't have a recollection or know what it meant to go back to the cotton farm. Well, that being said, the kids that teased them didn't know either, which means they had to have heard that from home or some other place where that freedom of speech influence their behaviors and and what they did to Jordan Jackson and his little sister. But like you said, we're going to move on. And since you brought up Trump, Ben Carson is reportedly considering an offer to serve as Department of Housing and Urban Development Secretary in President-elect Donald Trump's forthcoming administration. So I thought he was off the scene, but it looks like he might be back. Yeah, and he is one of many questionable choices for the presidential cabinet. Um I, if we had to put him somewhere, I probably would say that he may do 
well as, a, as the Surgeon General, since medicine is his forte and that's his claim to fame. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, as, I, as we were preparing for the show and talking among ourselves about the stories that we will present this week, I was mentioning to the two of you how I kind of fell out with Ben Carson like last year when he took up half the service at a uh, Sunday morning worship at a <laughs> church in Houston. And, you know, he decided that he wanted to preach his own sermon. Mind you, the saints were hungry and ready to go. So, you know, I, I think he probably would do well to stay in his lane. And at the same time, you know, we're also, uh, I know, Tanisha, you and I both work in education. So it's very concerning that the great orange one with that awful comb over has chosen Betsy DeVos as his oh my gosh, yes. Secretary of Education. Mm-hmm. And, of course, she would have a lot of faith on what goes on in our country's public schools, whereas she herself has never attended a public school, nor has she sent her children to public school, and she doesn't have any classroom experience. So I, I think that, you know, Donald has taken a list of names and he's throwing them up in the air and he's just kind of picking them up and saying, okay, well, you are going to be the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. You are going to be the Secretary of Urban of, of Education. You are going to be the National Dog Catcher. You are going to be the National <laughs> Shot. I'm just throwing that out there. Let's move on. <laughs> well, every, I can't move on. You keep telling me to move on, but I have something to say. Now, as you know... <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just thinking that we all know that President-elect Donald Trump has no experience whatsoever in politics or no experience that will connect him to actually being the president of the greatest country in the world. And it seems like he wants to keep up that trend because one of the first things that I hear in some of these positions regarding some of the people in the positions that he selected is they have no experience in that particular field. So I'm just trying to figure out right now, is he setting this up for one big gigantic reality show before, you know, we all say, okay, that's enough. We get it now. The joke is over. I'm not sure. And Ben Carson, he just, I don't know, he must have seen Urban and thought that included him, but it doesn't. (laughs) There's nothing urban about him at all. No well, let me say thing. this. <laughs> On a lighter note, this past Tuesday, President Obama awarded the nation's highest civilian honor to 21 actors, musicians, athletes, and innovators who had inspired him over the years. And among those awarded with the Medal of Freedom were Tom Hanks, Robert De Niro, Robert Redford, Cicely Tyson, Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bruce Springsteen, Diana Ross, Bill and Melinda Gates, Ben Scully, and Ellen DeGeneres. So, you know, that seemed like a very moving and honorable ceremony, and the recipients seemed quite appreciative to receive that honor. I want to move on to, if you all can remember, Dylan Roof. He was accused white supremacist who killed the nine African Americans during Bible study last year at a South Carolina church. Well, he was deemed competent to stand trial. Thank goodness. Defense attorneys had raised questions as to whether he actually understood the nature of the proceedings against him. And I tell you what, I'd have been hot butter had they said anything about him being mentally incompetent or tried to use an insanity defense in the trial 
in which she's due to stand for killing those nine innocent people in the house of worship. But yeah, the insanity plea would not have worked, and I think that it definitely would have caused a major outrage across the nation because Dylan Root knew what he was doing when he entered the church with the desire to kill those people who were merely there to worship God. And, of course, from what I can recall from the accounts of the incident, several of the people, several of the people who were at the service, you know, were very friendly toward him and were, you know, willing to embrace him. And he turns on them and ends their lives. So, you know, there's no way that you can convince me that he was insane or out of his mind. Well, hate-filled graffiti was found on several buildings in Salt Lake at a Gwinnett County High School in Georgia Tuesday morning. Students who were leaving for a wrestling tournament were actually the first to discover the graffiti at Collins Hill High School. Now, the graffiti included references to the KKK and Donald Trump. I'm just thinking, it can't be a fluke that the increase in racism and acts of bigotry and hate are surfacing like quickfire around the country. So I'm interested in the thoughts of our listeners on this topic or actually any other topic featured on today's show. And I encourage you to call in area code 865-409-1170 and share your ideas or opinions because we can't wait to hear what you have to say. Well, moving on to some other stories trending in the news, a Sacramento civics teacher, Woody Hart, in an attempt to explain equality, used this phrase. When you hang one black person, you have to hang them all. Now, this was said during an eighth grade class discussion on the answers to a test on the U.S. Constitution. One student had asked Hart to explain equality. Now, Hart is 70 years old, and the best he could come up with was when you hang one black person, you have to hang them all. The student, Tyler McIntyre, told his father, who, by the way, is a Sacramento County Sheriff's deputy. And Tyler said he was embarrassed and he felt like all eyes in the classroom were on him. The McIntyre family filed a complaint against Hart the next day, saying that the comments were racially insensitive and asked that Tyler be removed from Hart's class, and that request was granted. Now, after an investigation, Hart admitted to making the comment but defended it by saying, that the intended context was in the history of the lesson around the state's treatment of certain individuals under the Constitution. I personally don't accept that as an excuse, and I just don't know why teachers keep surfacing in the news. And it makes me think we never know who's in front of our children. As I so often say, I don't have to see the cows or the pasture in dealing with that particular rationale as to why he said what he said, but at the age of 70, I hope that he is packing up his boxes and he mm-hmm. is well on his way to the house and enjoying his last few years that he has in retirement. Right. That's probably the best thing for him. Well, last Tuesday, a guest on a CNN panel used a racial slur on live television. CNN's Brooke Baldwin was hosting a discussion about whether President-elect Donald Trump was sincere in his professed desire not to, quote, energized white nationalists, and this was after the neo-Nazis celebrated the election results and shouted, Hail Trump, at a conference last weekend in Washington. So during the discussion, Charles Kaiser, author of The Cost of Courage, 
which is a book about a French family that fought the Nazis. He said he was skeptical of Trump's claims that he wants to distance himself from the so-called alt-right movement, which is characterized by, like, you know, white supremacy, anti-Semitism, and other forms of racism. Then Kaiser says, and I quote, if you don't want to support the alt-right, don't choose as your White House counselor a man who uses the words in blank. Now, I just chose not to say it, but he actually said the word. Whose wife says he did not want his daughters to go to school with too many Jews, Kaiser said. And don't choose as an attorney general a man who calls the NAACP an un-American organization. Baldwin then interrupted Kaiser and says, I appreciate you going through all of this, but please don't use the N-word on my show. Then Kaiser said, I'm sorry. Well, I never use the N-word except when I'm quoting someone who's been appointed by the president to serve in the Oval Office since this is just a disgusting moment in our history. You can watch the video through a link on my webpage. So I was just thinking, this is kind of odd. Because generally we would be outraged or upset, as commonplace as it is, we are still upset by those that choose to include the N-word in their vocabulary, particularly um, on live TV or in a public setting. And in this particular case, I don't approve of him using the word, but it seems like he's actually quoting that that word uh, is related to some of the people that Trump has chosen, and it seems like he kind of got carried away in his disgust of them. However, we still prefer not to hear it on live TV. Right. Cow pasture. I don't see how to work. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's carry on. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this bit. And as always, I enjoy having the two of you on the show, and I appreciate you talking with T. Can't wait to hear what you have to say next week. And I can't wait to tell it. And you know I'm going to say it. For my listeners in Knoxville, Tennessee, the Solo Cafe will take place at Logan Temple Church on December 3rd from 6 to 8 p.m. There will be food, fun, and fellowship, soloists, musicians, poets, and more. There will also be door prizes. The event is free, but donations will be accepted, and you can participate in the silent auction to benefit scholarships for our youth. Be sure to save the date for the third annual Winter Wonderland brought to you by Community Action Group Five Points Up, which will be held Thursday, December 8th at Hardy Park and the Fellowship Hall of Tabernacle Baptist Church. Join the East Knoxville community as we kick off the winter holidays with the annual lighting of the park and local entertainment. For more announcements and events related to Knoxville, check out www.thevillageofknox.com, the place for positive community outreach. Be reminded that you can now call in and leave your thoughts on topics or issues, and your call just may be featured on an upcoming show. The call-in number is 865-409-1170. Again, that number is area code 865-409-1170. Once you call, you'll receive instructions on how to proceed. Also, make note that I am always looking to share and highlight music from rising artists and look forward to more submissions for T's Top Teens and Hometown Heroes. Well, once again, we've come to the end. 
But stay engaged by visiting www.talkingwitht.com and following the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Remember that you can listen to Talking With T anytime on Blueberry, SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, or Google Music. New shows drop each Monday. As it is impossible to highlight all that goes on in the news on our show, be sure to subscribe to Talking With T Daily, the online daily newspaper to get your daily scoop of trending news and find out what we're talking about. On that note, I'll end with a quote. Never let the things you want make you forget the things you have. Remember where you heard the word and keep the peace until next week. You've been listening to Talking with Tea.